0: It was the year 2005. YouTube had just begun, so we made a video just for fun. We lip-synced the Pokémon theme. theme. We thought it was
1: Hello, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two moldering, fast, irrelevant (laughs) men in their early 40s. You you sound especially
0: moldering today, Bill. You sound very morose. Watch us listen as
1: we we decay in front of you, becoming mummified, linen-wrapped husks of men who will attract no notice whatsoever, not for what they say or what they do or anything. We will
0: die unmourned in a pauper. <laughs> <day.
1: laughs> I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, and I'm joined by my partner in Creme, as the Italians say, Mr. Yes. Noah Tarno. Of the big quiz thing. How are you, Noah?
0: I'm hanging in there, Bill. I'm making it happen. I'm living the good life.
1: I do. I think you're living the good. I look up to you, and I don't know who <laughs> oh, you look up geez. to, but I assume that is a transitive effect of positive thinking that causes me to say these things. And pay
0: it pay it forward, my friend. Pay for the idolization.
1: Our topic today. Yes, our topic and, uh, today. Something we've yeah.
0: sort of been wanting to tackle for a while, although I think we've tackled it around the edges, but uh, why don't you explain, Bill?
1: We're talking about a YouTube comedy channel called Smosh. Smosh, which I guess is a portmanteau for uh, or garbage. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. I, it I read that shit. it was
0: they took it from a joking mishearing of Mosh Pit. They heard it as Smosh Pit, and they're yeah. like, "That's funny. Let's call our our comedy channel that."
1: Yeah, yeah usually that's how most multi-million dollar organizations are named. I just mis-
0: Yeah, I don't know. A lot of rock bands got their names from stupider things than that. So. I, I think I actually think Smosh is a good name for them because it's short, it's punchy. It sounds funny without meaning anything. Um I actually think that's a it's a good name for them. Mm-hmm. So I give them I give them thumbs up on the name.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of our podcast, <laughs> never Tarno. No, Noah Tono on corporate names. Yes. Okay, so, uh, so Smosh is an American sketch comedy YouTube channel created by two guys, Ian Hecox and Anthony Padilla, both born in 1987, so they're tiny little babies. Padilla created a website called Smosh in 2002, uh, and then they started to post YouTube videos in 05, and they quickly became one of the most popular channels in these sort of primordial YouTube ooze. Some of their videos they came up with at the very beginning were very simple lip syncs uh, to a crappy webcam to, like, for instance, the Mortal Kombat theme, Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pokemon. Uh, In fact, the Pokemon video was released in 2005, uh, but it was this, like, this, like, sick, sick, ridiculous, viral, meme-ish type hit where they literally just lip-synced the Pokemon theme while doing weird make ups in a bedroom and they just pretty much cut it together using whatever bullshit windows media software they had at the time that pokemon thing gained 24 million views you know lifetime at, at or at least at the in the age in which it came out it was the most impressive thing on youtube which doesn't say much i'm sure it's been surpassed now but it was the most viewed video on youtube at that time um, in 2006, Smosh, the two guys from Smosh, were elevated into Time Magazine's Person of the Year, colon, you epi- uh, issue based on the fact that people were using social media to um, remake the media tapestry. Noah Tarno, I'll ask you, what are your initial thoughts on Smoosh? Smosh. Smash.
0: Uh, well, I think you left out some stuff that, uh, you know, it's it's grown and and now it's, you know, they've been... Swallowed up by other companies, and they have a whole cast of regular players, and they do game shows, and they have regular features. Uh, I looked at; they have a thing the every blank ever, you know, every middle school class ever, every PE class ever. If blank were real, if superheroes were real, if TV shows were real, you know, it's just basically like satire videos, and it's mm-hmm. a whole network of it, and uh, I guess it's big business. Uh, and Padilla. Left the duo last year, so now it's just Hecox and their their little, you know, their little Dreamlanders team of people. Well, I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think it's funny for the most part. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. So we haven't talked about you know these YouTube stars yet, but what we have we talked about that podcast, uh, my brother, my brother and me. Yeah, and then perhaps more importantly, we talked about Jimmy Fallon. And I think this is of a piece with them because they're emblematic of the new wave of comedy and in some respect, the new wave of entertainment. High production values, more or less, but the comedy is very off the cuff and very casual. You know, you started seeing this with commercials in the 90s. Like, every commercial, it wasn't about an authoritative voice telling you what's what. It's about, hey, I'm your buddy, and I'm just going to share facts of you because, you know, you can trust me. And it's permeated into that sort of what entertainment, especially comedy, has become. It's, we've elevated, like, just buddies sitting around shooting, shooting the breeze. We've elevated that into, like, stuff you pay for or stuff that makes people celebrity. And as a result, this comedy, from the point of view of someone like you or me... Who did not grow up with this type of we would call it half baked humor? Uh, it seems very half baked to us. It seems very off the cuff. It seems very hey, that's a good idea. Let's throw it out there without perfecting it, without you know saying Second what's drafting next. It. Yeah, exactly. Second drafting. It's just the first idea throwing it out there, and because these guys have so many hits, have become YouTube stars, and partly because technology has enabled it to be easier to put an imprimatur of higher production values on you. They're able to throw out these half-baked ideas with the gloss and the sheen of higher production values. So I find this stuff really weak. I mean, it has moments. Uh, I I thought of you because I watched Rappers in 2018. It's like a profile of the hot new rapper now. He's just a total joke, and he's just this ridiculous guy, and he's a terrible rapper. And his new, uh, you know, great rap song is is five hours of him rapping about Supreme. And it just shows him for five hours yelling to a microphone, Supreme, 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 Supreme. And they're mocking just how it's about nothing. And they're mocking that it's all about brands. You know, his hit song was called Fendi, Booty. Raps about the two things he loves, Fendi and Booty. So I find this to be reminiscent of when I was a teenager. And the stupid ideas I thought up and the jokes I made with my friends and, you know, maybe I didn't really, but a lot of kids in our generation would get their hands on a a video camera or I would get my hands on an audio, uh, you know, like a tape recorder and I'd record skits, stuff like that. But it's a different world now because kids have access to better technology so they can make actual videos of this stuff and YouTube, I mean, this is what's changed the world. They can get these stupid ideas that we all make when we're kids and they can expose them to the world. And the process of something going viral means, you know, one in a million kids is going to win the lottery, as these kids did. And it's going to go viral, and people are going to love it. I watched an early video, uh, they did a series, Box Man, about a guy who's just got a big box on his head with a frowny face on it. And I was reminded, remember the Swiss Mime Troop Moment Yeah, sure. Yeah, those guys were huge in, like, the 70s. They hosted the, the, the Muppet yeah. Show. And they were mimes. They were trained mimes. They were artists. They were dancers. They were... You know, communicators, and I was thinking like, "Wow, like this would be a lot more interesting if this guy were mine." But there's clearly no training behind anything, and the rat and the song he raps is a terrible rap song. I mean, it's just not well written and not well delivered. There's nothing good about this other than. Hey, it's funny to watch an idiot make a fool of himself, but to look at a silly picture and to watch a monkey jump around. But that has become entertainment viewed by millions. So we're in a whole new world here.
1: I, I take it. I take it you agree. Yeah, no. I actually, I think you did a great job of explaining everything. It's yeah. just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like turn the axe the other way and, and use the uh, sharp handle rather than the sort of dull, the, the the dull <laughs> edge of the other side. Because
0: well, yeah, because I do want to say, like, I think these guys have a germ of talent there, and I think if they worked at it, they could be
1: what I would consider
0: professional level entertainers. You know, they're, they're fearless. They have some stage presence, some camera presence. There are funny ideas there, but it's just, it's so elementary. No one's telling. Also, these videos are too long, they're like eight minutes long. They need an editor. They need a director. They need all these things that traditionally artists needed to be worth the while to be produced. But now that anyone can produce anything, you don't need that yeah, anymore. You don't need the gatekeepers. And as a result, there doesn't need to be any professionalism.
1: The fact that, you know, the concept of an editor in our society is dead. Just about every single walk of life that one had the word editor is horrifying. I mean, I'm not saying that as a person who edited a number of things, be it print and video along the way, but just the idea that as a consumer of culture what an editor represented was another set of eyes. It was somebody else to both work over the mechanicals, the the nuts and bolts of it, and also the large big picture things. I I mean, it's not their biggest problem isn't that they just don't have an editor. Although it is emblematic of what's going on with YouTube comedy. I, I was giving you credit before because I think that you you just said the way in which you described their growth and what the channel became now and then what it looks like and how it behaves is absolutely correct. The raw unprofessionalism, the sort of unfinished run-and-gun half-assed nature of it, though, is I, I mean, I don't think that there's been any other moment in history where that kind of thing has been allowed to progress and metastasize no. to no, I mean, and, and I'm not even saying that we haven't had other moments of entertainment in in history. But, and I'll even I'll latch it down to comedy. We'll just call it comedy in this case. And and even I, so, and I'll even say our comedy is maybe from the teens or the twenties, the sort of around the, the time of like S. J. Perlman, where like the Jewish emigres. Began creating, you know, your your ironic, sardonic American sense of humor that we're known for, and then everything it sort of became, you know, ran through the century, the 20th century, and now we're, you know, we have this great hybridized sense of humor that I think that's truly what American culture exports and what it can do better than almost any other place is to be funny. Now, with this as the prevailing comedy mindset in what you'd call the equivalent of network television. It is chilling because it it shows, even at a high level, even at a a very lucrative finished product level, a stunning degree of sophomoric simplicity. And I'm not even, not even a good simplicity, but a a very inchoate, chaotic, unfinished first draft idea.
0: First draft. I mean, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing in my mind. I think, yeah. the, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think the key to comedy is like, hey, that's a funny, you know, when you're a kid, hey, that's a funny idea. That's enough. Yeah. Even when you're not a kid, when you're sitting around with your friends, hey, that's a funny idea. That's worth a laugh. Mm-hmm. Sure. That'll brighten my day. But like, I'm a professional. What's next? People are paying yeah. for this. What's next? That's a funny idea. Let's shape it. Let's hone well, it. There's good comedy out there that does that. The good sitcoms yeah. do that. We talked about American Vandal. That certainly did yeah. that. That's what good comedy is. You take the germ of a funny idea and you you make something out of it. Often it's commentary. Often it says something about the human, you know, it's it's like when I was talking about Aziz Ansari, mm-hmm. right? His stand-up act. It was like, all right, it's funny, but it didn't say anything about the human condition or politics or life. And these things don't say anything. It's like, a, you know, it's a monkey in suspenders. It's a guy falling down the steps.
1: It's so, it's,
0: a, it's a dunk booth at the carnival. It, it, it bangs your funny bone and that's the end. It
1: is. It's, it's um, uh, you know, Krusty the Clown coming out with the huge ears and then pulling out a giant Q-tip and yeah. just him looking at the camera saying, oh, there's four more minutes of this. <laughs> it, it, it's not much difference than, than that kind of thing. And it's like anyone who's ever done no. comedy. And again, I'm going to say anyone who's done comedy in America and you know who they are and you know who the great ones are. You even know, who the mediocre ones are, but I sort of feel like a common denominator yeah. is the great comedy is a process of being built, of being worked over, of being advanced, yeah. of being evolved. And yep. these guys yep. are almost 30. I mean, they're 29, yeah. I think, right? They were born in 87. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look at any real
0: dedicated stand-up you know. And for them, it's a constant process. It's recording your set. It's making notes. It's honing your set. Honing it to a diamond sheen yeah. And part of it with stand-up too is making it sound like you're just talking off yeah. the cuff. That's part of yeah. the genius of stand-up. They're saying it's funny to watch a guy with a box. On is, his head. It's kind saying- of what they're saying.
1: Well, it's not even I don't think I think a matter of stand-up. I wouldn't even like limit it to stand-up, although stand-up is a perfect example because I think that you see the rigorousness of comedy with stand-up because you can actually watch one person's Evolution, you know, you watch an Eliza Schlesinger or an Amy Schumer or a David Tell or a Richard Pryor, any of these people along the way, you see what they started doing and you see what they became later on, and you can actually chart an evolutionary course. But what you, regardless, what you wind up seeing in most anyone who does any kind of work professionally is a sense of correction and a sense of amendment and a a sense of, and yeah, you you, you use the metaphor diamond sheen. And I think that it is both literal and figurative to employ that because. Because honestly, no one has ever pulled a diamond out of the ground and said, Good enough! this is great. People then... (laughs) I don't know if I found one. People then cut and they they polish and they create many facets and you hone it and you do this thing. And it's like, that's a metaphor, but it's also literal. You know, watching videos, I don't see any technique difference from their Mutant Ninja Turtle lip syncs and Pokemon lip syncs to the shit that they're putting out. It seems like they haven't learned a thing. This might be... I wonder if I needed to readjust my And recalibrate myself to say, am I looking at outsider artists here? Am I looking at people who've avoided the traditional venues of of how you would learn comedy, which is to say stand-up becomes an academy, the Upright Citizens Brigade becomes an academy, all these various things that people do, which becomes schooling If you were outside of that, then you might, for lack of a better term, be an outsider. But even in the term of good outsider art, good outsider art builds upon itself and self-corrects.
0: And amends and hones.
1: And it's like you see that. You don't need to go to Upright Citizens and you don't need to go to the Laugh Factory to become better at what you do if you're good at it and if you somehow have a level of success. I want to take back something I said
0: about it doesn't say anything. I actually think a lot of their sketches do say something. I mean, the guy with a box on his head doesn't. And this is some praise I'm going to give them. Is I want to say they know their audience. Maybe they don't. And they've just fallen ass backwards into it. But they know their audience in that. This is the kind of stuff you come up with when you're a little kid. And I take it their audience is little kids. I'm curious if any adults are really big fans of this. And they do say something about being a kid. Especially their little series, Every Blank Ever. Every P.E. Class Ever. Every Middle School Ever. They are relating to... The deep things that dominate the thoughts and the anxieties and the concerns of 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, the people we were, the people, I, the person I was when I was recording these dumb little sketches on my tape recorder. Kids, most of them can't relate to, uh, I don't know why I come up with this example, uh, Dave Chappelle talking about politics. Right? They can't relate to these things. They relate to, I'm going to get the crap kicked out of me in PE class. They relate to, what's happening to my body? I'm going through puberty. They relate to, my teacher in middle school is a freaking weirdo, and I think you know they're going to kidnap me and lock me in the dungeon in their basement. So they are saying something. Now, it is something for a very juvenile crowd, and it is a very juvenile way of looking at it. It comes from a truly juvenile point of view. That is part and parcel of first drafting it there's a kind of genius here but you're right we're in a brave new world where this kind of genius gets exposed to millions of people and this is their career now the dumb crap you recorded on your tape recorder when you're 12 is now big business hi i'm anthony padilla are you the kind of person that just loves meat but is always on the go Well, I know I am. For years, I've searched for an easy way to eat steak and other meat products with my on-the-go lifestyle. But products like Quickie Steak were too inconvenient, while other products like Meatball Necklace were just plain messy. That is, until I found Beef and Go. Why is Smosh, why did they go from the dumb little videos they made on the stupid windows media that they had access to in 2005 to you know one of the most watched youtube channels
1: i think you know part of what you said before is you don't know too many adults who watch this and it's like i think based on the youtube comments i do feel like adults have grown into it i think you have people who are exactly their same age in addition to kids but they have probably a different stratified audience of the people who grew up with them and just have this identification as a brand and then the kids who were just looking at something that's simple and that's geared to the um You know, 11-year-old sense of humor, just a guy with a box in his head or just people throwing food around, as as so many of their videos often do. But I think it's popular because it caught you at the age where it seemed like they were speaking right to you, and they had this very uh, webcam-y look, and that's exactly what it was. There was no difference in the... Quality, the resolution of what they were doing, and so if they got their hooks into you in in two thousand five, you might always feel like you can go home. It's like you know you can go home again. Oh, totally. I mean, I.
0: Why do we? Why do you and I still trade jerky boys? And boys? I can't because yeah, I, that cracked us up when we were eighteen. I years can't old.
1: see Bert and Ernie today as a forty-two-year-old man without you know, sort of almost like biting my lip and in, 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 in weeping over how much emotional resonance Absolutely. there is because it's something that hit me at Absolutely. exactly an age that it will live with me for the rest of my life.
0: The reason the second, I mean, we're going back 15 years now, but I remember the reason the second Star Wars prequel satisfied me so much more than the first Star Wars prequel. As I said to someone I was leaving, I cannot see C-3PO and R2-D2 without smiling.
1: Yeah, All right. It's a cipher. It just becomes a thing. Right. But I mean, that's that's the the difference between watching a video and kind of elevating somebody into a millionaire, you know, which for what you'd said before, they were sold to two different groups. One was called Alloy Digital, which then rolled over to a place called Defy Media in 2000, 2011. Somebody came in there and, and anointed them as like, okay, you're worth millions of dollars. I assume millions of dollars. Let's give you this money and turn you guys into content providers for channels. This is popular, I think, because it looks like something you could do. It doesn't make you feel bad about yourself. It doesn't- I, I,
0: I will say this. Yes, it's not mean spirited. Yeah. Uh, I don't. As much as I think these guys are kind of lamos, I don't dislike them. Um, I, I, it's not racist, it's not sexist. Yeah. I, th- I think you know. I don't want to puke when I watch this. Well, stuff. So
1: there's. It's sad. not. No, it's not. It's not that level. It's like, but it, there could be a difference between you know the Goebbels cast of something that's truly horrific, <laughs> and something that is just vapid and empty. That even at any age, I would have said this. This really doesn't interest me. You know, look, I, I've read comic books my yeah. entire life, but even when I was a kid, there were comic books that looked like. They were made by people who said, these are just comic books. Let's put whatever out here. And that's like, and I turned it down saying, that's horseshit. I'm 12, and I'm not going to read that because that's beneath me, and it looks like you're, you're lowballing me. This is not aspirational entertainment. And I think that this is not aspirational entertainment, but the difference is, is that people— in this case, are the, the curve of success for YouTube stardom, I think, is a lot less for all the reasons you were stating before in terms of removing gatekeepers and removing editors and removing people who tell you no. In, in the past, we would never even see something like this. This just would not even get to us other than samizdats that we passed around as right. friends or we ourselves right. made on audio cassettes, which is what we did. We had radio stations and sketches and, you know, VHS yes. cassette tapes. And it's that first gear of comedy, when you become interested in watching uh, people do funny things, this, I think, is frozen in that first gear. Because
0: no, one, no one's making them. No. Without the gatekeepers, no one's making them. And I want to say gatekeepers aren't always good. Gatekeepers sometimes make something worse. Gatekeepers sand down the edges. Gatekeepers, you know, sugarcoat things. There, there are so many examples of a, a raw product that has genius to it. That is completely neutered by the record company, the movie studio, the bad editor, et cetera, well, Those, are, et cetera, those et are
1: specific, not the not the concept of gatekeeping, but the specific gatekeepers. Yes, I. W-
0: well, yeah, but but there's a point to be made that some things are better without gatekeepers, and that's sort of become the attitude: like anyone can do yeah. it, and expertise has no value. Yes, either. yes. Um, it's it is as you said. It's chilling. It isn't necessarily wrong. I think in this case it's wrong. I think these guys need an editor. Not everyone like them does, there, but they do. There are, yeah, I mean, that's, that's
1: a good point. <laughs> they need an editor
0: and they need a director. And
1: they need different they guys do. doing it who aren't them. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right.
0: I don't know. I, I, They might be really talented. There are some. They, they might be. All those, I can't tell. Those people in that show might be the funniest people on earth, but no one's taught them anything. Yes. They didn't take a single class. They, they're, well, they're, you know, you, they're, it's the raw material. They could be the funniest people since George Carlin. We have no way of knowing. They're just having a good time, and there's nothing wrong with that when you're a kid, and there's nothing wrong with that when you're hanging out at game night in your friend's. Okay, apartment. so
1: wait, par- the,
0: the wrong thing is when it's big business, major comedy. So, That's you, the so you're telling
1: you're parlaying this into why you think it's popular.
0: I think it's popular for three intertwined reasons. One, it is funny. It's funny when you're 12. It's funny when you're sitting around with your friends. It's not not funny. I will say okay. that. That's one. Two, we are in a world where the, the lowering of expertise means stuff like this is more widely accepted. It is not rejected out of hand. And three, they won the lottery. They got seen by the right people at the right time, got picked up by the right... There are gatekeepers. Now, the gatekeepers aren't editing them, they aren't directing them, but they're exposing them to a wider audience. So it's those three reasons. Mm-hmm. Right place, right time, and it is funny. And I give them the credit. They, they make stuff that is relatable to a certain segment of people. I would say you're right. I would argue the only adults who like this are people who kind of grew up with it. And you know, and then, and then probably some idiots.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you a real Ghostbuster?
1: Well, not really. And a ghost
0: in my house. I need it gone. I will pay anything. Hell yeah, we're real Ghostbusters. So, where's this ghost? Die, ghost, die! Oh man, she's such an idiot. <laughs>
1: would you like this if you were a kid and had a soul, Noah?
0: Yes, I would love really? it. Really? Okay. Yeah, love it. I would think it's very clever. Uh, I would see it as aspirational. This is what I want to do. I want to be one of these guys. I would start my own YouTube channel and imagine it'll catch on the way Smosh did. It wouldn't because I wouldn't win the lottery like that. Uh, But yeah, I'd want to be these guys. I would want to live my life having fun, making people laugh, just being a clown. I still want to do that. I'm a very lucky person that I get to do that on a very small scale. Yeah. I get to, you know, I get to entertain a room of 250 people and make them laugh and make them have a good time. And I'm, I'm very thankful for mm-hmm. that. I would outgrow it. I mean, but maybe I'd be like these adults who still like it because it pushes my nostalgia buttons. Just the way I liked the Jerky Boys and still like that. I liked some SNL skits that in hindsight aren't that funny. It hit me the right place at the right time. It pushed the right buttons. Mm-hmm.
1: I think at this age, I was already beyond this. I don't think, I think I, I'm not even trying to elevate myself and say I'm too smart for this because I, I wasn't. It's just very specifically taste-wise, a guy walking into a room and yelling at the camera and like stepping on a donut and then repeating that for eight minutes is not funny. And it, I'd never thought it was funny. And yeah. I'm wrapping my head around this, trying to figure out why are they doing this? Food. What is it? Your, my food beats your food. I watched the Great Food Challenge. Yeah. I watched a bunch of those over the course of yeah. years. And it's just essentially this annual thing they repeat back. Some guy with a uh, he tapes a donut under his armpit, and it's like there's a girl comes over in a bikini and starts smelling it and saying, "What a great." You know, what a great uh, deodorant you have. And it's like, uh, these are adults doing this. I mean, and they were doing yeah. this when they were 12, and they're doing this now when they're fucking yeah. 28. Well,
0: they're, they're they're doing it for kids. They're either in a state of arrested development... Or they know what they're doing. Hey, this is stupid, but kids love it.
1: Well, the, you, you mentioned before that the, uh, the one guy, uh, Padilla, had left the channel because I think he said something about it. He, the, the corporate strictures of what Defy Media was asking him to do to keep the brand was too, was too restricting. And so he decided to make his own channel. So I decided to go to his channel and look at his videos. His videos are exactly the same thing. I'm sure it's like, what are you talking about? You fucking crack addict. It's like, what, 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 seriously, what is this? Okay.
0: I I got a pretty good thing with Ian here in Smosh, but the solo Padilla thing, you know, we will stride the earth like Titans (laughs) and I will be hosting the Oscars next year. (laughs) I mean, egos look, Hey, if I were these guys and picked up when I was in high school or whatever, and I, I'd have an ego, the size of Mount Everest.
1: I made all these same videos and made all the the same things on audio cassette. Never thought it was worth anyone else listening to it. It was strictly...
0: But you would have if millions of people were listening to it and millions of people were telling you it was funny. You would have bought your own hype because kids will do that. It's hard to
1: say. Yes. No, look, there's something to what you're saying. Uh, but I would also like to think that whether I'm the guy who's making it or the kid who's watching it. Right now, we're talking strictly in a viewership capacity. You know, I was. You know, I was listening to George Carlin albums when I was 11 years old. I was watching Monty Python. I mean, I'm not saying that these are great hallmarks of, of any sort of intellectual genius or taste or discernment. They're merely. I I think they
0: are. I just think, okay. that, look,
1: it was. I didn't know what they were. I just watched them. You know, I I was... They were funny and they
0: said something. Yeah, but I
1: didn't know, you know, I knew what they said. I didn't get any of the marijuana material from Carlin. And yet I understood that there was a lot there that I, I got timing, I got funny. I knew why enough was funny that the stuff that I didn't get went right past me. And I just took it on face value that that stuff is funny too, even if I didn't get it. There was never room for this in my comedy diet. You know, like this kind of thing would have always just been, I don't know what this is.
0: That's not true. We talked about the Jerky Boys
1: before. Jerky the, Jerky, the Jerky Boys, Boys were more, the Jerky Boys had construction and there were storytelling was story those voices and there was also... The Jer- mm, not a lot. Not a lot, but you know what? Not but, a but. lot.
0: And you know what? For all the funny things in there, it was way down with garbage. There are like half a dozen Jerky Boy sketches that I love and then the second half it turns into like gay yeah. panic. No, that's stuff. Loses. But
1: the stuff that we quote today, the stuff that we think back on, I think to me is like the pyramids i think it is something that is like somehow they accidentally made a very simple thing that was stunningly genius in the way they made it, and they—it they, wasn't that it wasn't as funny then as it is today. Time has come by; time has stripped away the artifice. Time has moved us beyond that. And I can say that about any great thing. You know, it's just something that exists for all of time. You take it out of the moment in which it's made, and if it's still funny, then it has to be really, really funny that somehow it endures.
0: Uh, you know, something I, I just comes to mind is uh, remember you can't do that on television. Yeah,
1: Sure, I love that show.
0: So for those who don't know, it was on Nickelodeon. It was like a Canadian sketch comedy show for teenagers. And it was a group of teenagers and a couple of adults. And and it, the reason Nickelodeon is all about slime started with that, because the gimmick on that show was every time a kid said, I don't know, they'd get dosed with green slime that would fall from the ceiling. And I loved that show as a kid. And part what I loved about it was aspirational. Like I'm like, ooh, like I'd love to be in that cast, you know? Yeah. Um and I watched some of it again a few years ago, and it's not that funny. Uh, I mean, it's got a good sense of humor, and it's got a good kind of like cynicism about the world. You know, it's a little like SNL and Monty Python, which I think was the idea: let's make these things for kids, and that it's got a kind of got the kind of smart aleck thing. And back then, no enter- very little entertainment for kids had a smart aleck element at all. It was all very straight faced, right, and very sincere. Yeah. And I liked that about it. But in hindsight, it's not that good. Uh, It's not that funny. So I think I would have liked the kind of, we don't care, it's just reckless abandon. You may have killed me in Food Battle 2010, but my Pink Frosted sprinkled Donuts gonna kick your stupid ass this year. Oh yeah? Well me and my new favorite food, the rainbow lollipop, can do way more everyday tasks than your pink sprinkling turd. Bring it on, douche pickle! is the success of Smosh a sign of the apocalypse. I, th- I think Sturry. for, for a saying? number
1: of different attacks, uh, I would say, yeah. And, and the first one i was saying, say, oh, look, I've dabbled in YouTube web video. You know, I did that for a good number of years and if, we'll still do it on occasion. i trying to put content out on YouTube but not anything like this, but using YouTube as, a, as a, a, a venue of self-expression to get around the gatekeepers, essentially. Not to avoid editing, but to avoid the people who would tell our finished product, no. And we had a, people I've worked right. with had a slight level of success with it. Something that, you know, was was nice. It was a small return on a investment to prove that we could at least do it even if we weren't having huge returns. To see something like Smosh, which doesn't use any of the refinement techniques and the skill that a lot of the comedy storytelling type short films that I was doing, you know, which went nowhere to see these guys get huge is kind of crazy. And it, it made me think, look at my notes here. I wrote, um, I said, I guess kids toggle between the smoshes of the world, Netflix and Instagram, and they cultivate a media diet of entertainment and news from these sources, you know, which gives me the distinct impression that children today are culturally malnourished. Because honestly, and this isn't a matter of just trying to say like, we had it better, because like you said, there's plenty of stupid, goofy bullshit back then. I think the whole idea was that they weren't trying to keep it at a low level. There wasn't the idea that they were trying to ground the median or under water and I almost assume that there is a concerted effort to make sure that this stuff doesn't elevate past a certain level because I mean obviously it's not the level of discourse, the reading level, the vocabulary level, the types of comedy the range of acting and performances don't get better there isn't there isn't allowed a sort of evolution or advancement and it's one thing to start out in a certain way but it's another thing to maintain it and not allow any kind of elevation <laughs> you know the other thing I can say too is that with them being bought by a huge company that has um, aligned them in sort of a multi-channel network of other brands, you know, they have a feminist brand, they have a tech brand, they have a number of different things, and this is just one of their channels. Not that, you know, on YouTube it's its own thing, but the company's portfolio, they bought it to kit out one, like sort of precinct to their portfolio. To see that this was something that's, I'm sure it must have just been a completely clueless BizDev person. They said, We don't know what this is, and we may never know what this is, but we should just buy it. Let's just throw a cannon of money at it and uh, just fire cash at it. Let's just have it rather than not have it, even if we don't understand what it is, but at least we know we will own it. And so it right. was just like, rather get the thumbs down for Money Masters, it got the thumbs up. Right. It's like, I guarantee you that someone who's 35 and in charge of BizDev doesn't know what this is. They don't know how to make it better, no. but they bought it anyway. But they're
0: desperately afraid of missing out on something. Well, Bill, I'm going to possibly defy expectations and say this is not a sign of the (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Because, and this is a theme I come back to a lot on this podcast, is I've said this a lot. I've said, well, I don't like this, but it's fine so long as it doesn't become the gold standard. And while, yeah, you know, billions of people have watched this stuff. And they sure these guys are making a lot of money and their HSBC accounts are, are fat with cash. And they probably spent it all. You know, they probably have a Ferris wheel in their house with a pet monkey and all this nonsense.
1: They're probably morons. They're not, I'm, they're I'm they're not Jacksons being, for fuck's sake.
0: Well, they probably think they are, which is the sad thing. You know, I had never heard of them before. Like, they might be huge in a certain sector of society and they might have a lot more money than I'll ever see and all these things. But... They're, you know, this is the difference between them and Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon was hosting a tonight show. These guys are not household names. I had never heard of them until last yeah. week. So they're not that big.
1: Yes, if they're hosting a the tonight show, we have a problem. Hosting tonight show though is I think that's a lesser that's a lesser really? merit than this. Oh yes, absolutely. they they
0: are they are held up. As American comedy, more uh, epitomized more people when when you are hosting the Tonight Show, you are putting you are the final jokes that people hear before they more go to bed, people is the host of the Tonight with Show with more
1: influence power. Listen to they watch Smosh than have ever watched Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show in the history oh, of okay. the show. That might yes, be true. Absolutely that might be true. true.
0: But they but they still don't have the cultural cachet. Now maybe this is a sign that in ten years they will. And if in 10 years Smosh has taken over the comedy world, they have won the Mark well, Twain Humor Prize, yes, months. then we have a problem. But for now, it doesn't it's matter. Co- it doesn't difference. matter to the million people watching. Taking a crap hasn't taken over the culture, and everyone does that almost every it's day. It's our comedy it's, world,
1: though. You're talking about, like, you know, the comedy world isn't one thing. It's it's, it's so balkanized that, you know, like, they, and, all, and I think we are able to sort of look at something through little, like, by putting our hands over our, our faces and looking through the cracks between our fingers all I'm right. seeing but everybody does
0: that but everybody yeah does but more
1: that. people more people do that and see them than don't and we are in the minority of people who aren't calling these guys all, all right. American masters but, but they Peabody award they winners see,
0: yeah but they see them but do they care
1: yeah that's a good point because I don't think kids care about anything I'll be honest with you now I think that everything yeah. is completely disposable it, 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 all of entertainment, all of uh, uh, filmed entertainment is a used Kleenex. There's no more staying power or permanence, which is why we don't have books, which is why we don't have learning, which is why we don't have all the things that we rail about on the show. Which
0: is which is why Oscar-winning movies become forgotten.
1: Which is why three billboards f- in Billings or Missouri or whatever it is, it's like no one's going to talk. six months. No one's going to give a shit. No one's going to remember what the hell that movie was, any more than anybody remembers what, the, what yeah. the artist was or what Crash was. You're absolutely right. It's disposable. Everyone
0: remembers Crash because everyone hates it. Let's take a stab at a knife. Let's take a stab at your mom with my dictionary. All right, celery. Here we go. Ian, can you hand me that? The baguette. What'd you just call me? I asked if you wanted the baguette. It's pronounced baguette. What? It's French.
1: Is our slash your slash my dislike of this thing based in jealousy?
0: Oh yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I mean, I think it's a sign of how of the odd mood I'm in today that I'm not as, I, I'm more complimentary of these morons than I really might've been in a, a, another day this week. Um, but I'm definitely jealous because, you know, I always dreamed of being a funny guy and being seen by a zillion. I mean, I say this in every show, like, yeah, cause I'm an entertainer and millions of people aren't watching it and watching what I do. And I work way harder on my work than these guys seem to work on theirs. So sure I'm jealous.
1: As somebody who did this when I was a kid, all this same sort of um, lo- lo- lo-fi bullshit make ups at exactly that same age back in the day, you know, it was, it was 1985 and 1986 rather than 2005 and 2006. And as an adult, you know, I've made pieces of art that were designed to entertain, hopefully reflecting my influences and in some level of uh, canny competency that I've accrued over the years. I'm very jealous of this. And maybe that's maybe that is what fuels, maybe more so than almost any other... Topic we've done on this show, I could say that the my brother, my really? brother, and me people. I don't know if I said I was jealous of them. I think I did say I was jealous of them because I wanted to have some level of success based on easy discourse. But ultimately, th- right. like those guys, won me over with how there was a kinship where I, really? c- I could see myself being like the fourth McElroy brother really? in that case.
0: Be- because I, I, I far, yeah. I would not say far, but I, I prefer this to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, these guys are more talented, and I think they. I thought that My Brother and My Brother guys seemed utterly unlikable.
1: I want to, uh, uh, like in Casino, when they kill Joe Pesci, I want to take these guys into a cornfield, beat them to death with aluminum yeah. bats, and then bury wow. them in a shallow grave. Uh, yeah, I have no, no love for this grave. product at all. And, you know, the, the, the My all Brother right. My Brother and Me guys, they, they wow. did. The charisma won me over. But these people, I feel like, are doing everything wrong. And it, it's as if watching the guy in school next to you fail a test, and the teacher comes over and puts them sh- on the teacher's yeah. shoulder and plays "We Are the Champions." And well, but that's that's where in the
0: Trump era, I, right? Someone who cheats and lies and is not and gets it wrong and is but, and is not curious yeah. and and doesn't doesn't do the work when they win in the end. That was my one of my main thoughts the night he won. I'm so glad I'm not a parent because what do you tell and a how child do you any of this about shit? working hard and being polite? and listening to others. Yeah. I mean, how do you tell a child yeah.
1: that? I think, I literally I don't think we have anything left to say. I think we're going... There is nothing left to say. We're going as long as we could possibly about,
0: go. I, 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 for a second there, I forgot the name of the topic. We <laughs> <laughs> so, I will never, ever think about these guys again.
1: So if you could possibly stand a single more second of us talking, you can find please, please. other episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Tweet, at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Visit I Don't Get It podcast. Give us a review on iTunes. We love those things. Uh, specifically, you can find each of us by our Twitter handles. Me, at William Scurry, Noah Tarno.
0: BigQuizThing.com, at BigQuizThing. Also at Noah yeah. Tarno. We're having a good time. What can I tell you? Business is going great. That's good. Everything else in my life is. Not going great, but business is going apart. Entertainment's great, so. falling apart, ah. your
1: personal life falling apart, but at least uh, yeah. yeah, at least you'll have a
0: At least um keeping busy and making, making dough.
1: dough. So Alright, well Make until the peanuts. next unfulfilling, unsatisfying, bilious episode. I can safely say we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises twenty
0: eighteen.